Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Barbara P and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 22nd. We are reading from the big book. We're on the doctor's opinion, page XXX, the very first paragraph. There are many situations which arise uh, ending in then continue to fight. Today's readers, today our Joni C is going to be reading our 12 steps, Rick J on our 12 traditions. Readers of our text are Penny E, Tamara C will take our closing, Crystal R is backing us up today, and our newcomer greeter is Jessica C, host of the second hour is going to be Maria F and Nancy C on announcements. So the reference number for yesterday, Sunday, the 21st, is 21057-21057. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Joni C. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Joni C., gratefully recovered but not cured from Minnesota. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made made direct amends to such persons people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his welfare and power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, Joni. I'll now ask Rick Jay to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. Rick Jay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Cary, North Carolina. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself when our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thanks so much, Rick. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book on page XXX, the first paragraph, beginning with there are many situations and ending with then continue to fight. And I'm going to ask um, Penny E to get us started on the reading. Penny, go right ahead. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny E, recovered in South Jersey. There are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving, which cause men to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. What a strong, strong one-sentence paragraph. And I can relate. I can relate. The first thing that comes to my mind is that the word craving and supreme sacrifice come in the same paragraph. I mean, what the heck can craving and supreme sacrifice have to do together? Well, I can relate to it. 
I can relate. This is a life and death disease for me. It is potentially deadly, potentially deadly. And I know people who have died as a result of uh, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, and the the uh, whatever the the mortician or whatever says it's uh, those diseases. It's not compulsive overeating, but I know it's compulsive overeating. I, for one, wanted to kill myself. I could not live with the food. I could not live with the food, and I could not live without the food. I was an embarrassment, and uh, I thought I was I was going to kill myself. I never had the plan, but I, that's the only way I saw saw out. So if I'm experiencing the phenomenon of craving, I've already picked up. So I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. So many situations that result in the ultimate sacrifice. Well, for me, I mean, I had my jaws wired shut. Um, I went to diet doctors. I was on all kinds of amphetamines. Um, These are situations that arose out out of my craving. I did not want to eat and I could not stop eating. Doctors would tell me, if you really want to eat, if you really don't want to eat, just don't take money to work with you. Well, that didn't work. I had a psychiatrist that told me one time, put a picture on your refrigerator of somebody that you want to look like. <laughs> that didn't work. Are you kidding me? I had the phenomenon of craving. Um, so, And people I know who have, have had their bodies uh, altered with surgery, you know, to eliminate this craving it doesn't it doesn't work i heard somebody say about the surgery to their body that the doctor made a mistake they did the surgery on the wrong part of the body it should have been on the head not the stomach so really what is the supreme sacrifice there's two answers to that as far as i can see i can either go on eating go on eating and get more depressed and more depressed and not shower and call out from work and possibly get fired and uh just the depression. I'm not a depressed person. My timer just went off. Is that three minutes? Um, uh, no, I anyway. have about 20 seconds left for you. Okay, all right. Uh, so anyway, the supreme sacrifice. Um, I just got, got caught in that. But anyway, um, I don't even know where I was. But it's a deadly, deadly disease. And thank God I understand this disease. I have a healthy respect for it. And for today, just for today, um, I'm going to stay abstinent with God's help, all of you, and working the steps. So thank you for letting me share. Have a beautiful God-filled day, everybody. Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Penny E. Great share. Um, Thanks for getting us started. So now we're going to proceed with sharing. Um, Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too, who, who would like to share this morning? Christina Lynn, J. Gonna, Karen Yeah, hang on one second. I'm just going to, okay, wait a minute. Wait. So I got Christina J. I heard Janet B. Who else? Irene M. Karen Lynn A. Karen A. Mary B. Mary B. This is who I heard so far. Let me tell you, Christina J., Janet B., Irene M., Karen A., Mary B. Who did I miss? Larry K. Larry. Larry K. Lynn F. And who was the last? Gabrielle? Leslie W. Leslie. Leslie W. Okay, let me stop there. So that's a lot of names. Good. We're a great kickoff. 
So Christina J, Janet, Irene, Karen A, Mary B, Larry K, Lynn S, Leslie W. So let's go ahead and start with Christina J, followed by Janet B. Morning, everyone. Christina J from North Carolina in recovery today. And for me, I've come to know this. When I take a bite, that's a, that's a supreme sacrifice into hell. I lose my connection with God. I've already lost it, actually. I've got the phenomenon of craving, and I'm on, and I'm on the way. Um, in recovery today, I realize that. But in the past, I did not realize that one bite was a supreme sacrifice to lose my connection with God, to lose my connection to healing, to the road of recovery, to my husband. I couldn't be present for my husband. I couldn't be present for my job. I could act like I was present, but all day long, every day, I was driven to get another bite and another bite and another bite. The supreme sacrifice into the, 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 the disintegration of my health. Uh, possibly even walking towards death. Of course, we know that. Um, the supreme sacrifice for me is a long, slow death in this compulsive overeating that will bring me to the bi- diabetes, heart disease, all that. But you know what? That, all that doesn't matter. All that did not matter to me when I wanted a bite. That was the only thing in my mind was that phenomenon of craving. Sometimes I didn't even know uh, that I was going to take a bite. I, I thought I had my recovery down, walk in the path, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, something comes into the office, and I'm head first in it. What the hell happened? This, this program talks about us working it, working day by day, cleaning house, cleaning those little irritations that pile up in my soul that bring me to the phenomenon of craving. For me, it's a buildup of human emotions at this point in my recovery. Before, I didn't know what it was. Sure, I have an addiction. I don't know why I want to keep eating. It's an allergy of the body, of the mind, uh, allergy of the body, actually, and um, discomfort, dis-ease in my life, dis-ease with things. So this supreme sacrifice today is that bite for me. You know, I can't take a bite. What is step one? I can't take a bite. I can't have a drink of coffee. It's going to take me down. And I don't want to go to hell again because you know what? Hell for me is not necessarily the fact that I'm going to die. It's that I can't control the cravings. I'm off. And it's a horrible place to try to white knuckle. I am absolutely insane, itching, wanting another bite. You know, and even if I make calls, even if I pray, drop to my knees, whatever, I still want to eat. And I have to grip my teeth to get through that white knuckling period to get my absence back. And it is pure effing hell. And I don't want it anymore. So I have to remember that first bite is a supreme sacrifice for me. So thank you for letting me share. Love everybody. It's my pass. Thanks, Christina J. Janet B., you're up. Hi, good morning. It's Janet B., Recovered Compulsive Eater in North Carolina. So a couple paragraphs down, it tells us when the phenomenon of craving starts. It's when It says when we start drinking. So it's like, The phenomenon of craving starts when I have the first compulsive bite. Okay, so then the logical solution would be, well, just don't take the first compulsive bite, right? Don't take the first of my alcoholic foods, my trigger foods, my binge foods. Well, it works for me with stuff like cats. I have a horrible cat allergy. And I know if I go near it, 
So I never go near cats. Someone invited me to her house for dinner for this weekend. First question I asked, do you have a cat? Because if she did, I couldn't go. But how come I couldn't do that with food? I couldn't just say, you know what, Janet, if you have one bite, you're not going to be able to stop. So don't take that first bite. I couldn't do that because, yes, I had something wrong with me where the phenomenon of craving started. But that wasn't my main problem. In Chapter 5 of our big book, it says, once a spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I had something wrong with my brain that it told me, you'll be able to have one, whatever, fill in the blank, and be able to stop. Um, which was a lie every time. I couldn't just tell myself, don't, t- don't pick up because then you won't be able to stop. I couldn't do it. My memory didn't work. I didn't remember that a hundred times before I said, I'll just have one and I ate the whole box, bag, carton, whatever. So what do I have to do? And it tells me that I have to fight. Now, not fight the way I normally think like, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I had to fight by enlisting a power greater than myself because my step one told me I was powerless over food. So I had to get the power of one who has all power. And our book tells us that one is God. May you find him now. So my fight was to battle my self-will so that I could surrender my will and my life, all my will, all my life to God. And when I did that, he removed the food obsession. So there was no thinking about the phenomenon of craving. Oh, I must stop because God just took it away. I found that the way I had to fight was on my knees, communicating with my creator and through self-sacrifice to my fellows. And when I do that, God keeps the phenomenon of craving and the obsession totally away. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Janet B. Irene M., you're up, followed by Karen A. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene M. from New York, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. The supreme sacrifice, wow, so hopeless that there's no way out. But the truth is hope. You know, the truth is we don't need to fight. We just need to let go and surrender. Before program, I was, I I wanted to end my life also. It's amazing that we all have the same story. I was so tortured in my mind and body that my soul was suffocating, and I was drowning in my lies and stories until my eyes were open to the truth. I did feel hopeless, but I wasn't hopeless. I'm so grateful for Dr. Silkworth because he taught me that I have a twofold disease. It's physical and it's mental. It's a double-edged sword that cut me up into pieces. Once I start binging on my trigger foods, I can't stop because of the phenomenon of craving, always wanting more. That craving always comes after picking up my trigger foods. It's not a craving for something sweet, but after, but after I take that first bite, it's my, it's the allergy, it's the allergy, the, my allergy foods that, uh, that send me off to the races. 
And I can't crave the food if it's not in my body. So it's a physical craving. And then when I do stop, I can't stay stopped no matter how much I desire to stop. That obsession of the mind is giving me a green light to pick up. It gives me permission to believe a lie. It's that mental twist that prevents me from seeing the truth that I compulsively eat. But I'm not hopeless. It only seems hopeless until I see hope. And where do I see hope? In recovered people. They gave me so much hope. Dealing with a disease that's cunning and baffling is so powerful, and it brought me to my knees for the answer. And the answer is on page 25. It gives us the solution. It says to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. And why are the tools spiritual? Because it leads us to a power that we need, which is a connection to God. I need to be connected to God to see the truth and set me free from my thinking. I need good orderly direction that would lead me to a spiritual awakening that can only remove the obsession of the mind and have a healthy relationship with food, myself, with others, and especially God. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Irene M. Karen A., and you'll be followed by Mary B., Hi, this is Karen Kay, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Virginia. Um, and I just wanted to share uh, the the for many years, this disease had a grip on me that caused me to make sacrifices of, of epic proportions in the name of getting food, eating food, hiding food, um, Whatever I could do was all centered around getting a fix, um, ease and comfort. I couldn't handle life. Um, I, you know, my life was so incredibly unmanageable. And, um, you know, I sacrificed the role as mom um, in the name of food. And um, I lost years of being fully present with my children and my husband, I would tell my husband every morning that the family was better off without me. And um, I just couldn't, I couldn't get well. I didn't see anything positive in my future, even as I was given these beautiful gift of a husband and two healthy children. Um, food was my only solution. I just couldn't get out of this cycle of addiction. Um, and so I just wanted to share that um, those were torturous years for me, and I don't live like that today. Um, I am um, so grateful for God, for this program, um, for a wonderful sponsor that walked me through this book and and shined a light on this new way of living. Um, and if it wasn't for this big book um, and my relationship with the higher power, I would have, I'm I'm certain that I wouldn't be speaking today because I was full of torture, but I just, I don't live that way today. And and I'm so grateful and um, thank you for letting me share. Thanks so much, Karen Kay in Virginia. Uh, Mary B and you'll be followed by Larry Kay.
Oh, hello, my name's Mary B. I'm a recovered compulsive eater, and uh, thank you for taking the meeting and for everybody who's um, <clears throat> shared and participated and for giving me the opportunity to, to share as well. And then the, the, the ultimate or the supreme sacrifice, you know, I did sacrifice my life for compulsive eating. I sacrificed my health, my peace of mind. I sacrificed relationships with other people around me, family, friends, uh, and I have known people, you know, it's not necessarily the physical impact of this disease, which I believe would have killed me, it's, but more, excuse me, moreover, the, the mental torture, um, and I have known people commit suicide um, as a result of the, the mental anguish of not being able to recover from this illness, I have heard of that. I know of it. Um, I don't know people personally, but I do know of people who know people who have done that. And, um, you know, this is a killer illness. Um, however, we are, there is hope. And I have, I have had direct experience of that hope. You know, um, the book talks about frothy emotional appeal, not helping another compulsive eater like the lived experience does. And, um, thinking about the phenomenon of craving as well. A phenomenon is something that cannot be explained. And, you know, I cannot explain the craving uh, that I get. I, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why it is a, it is a, it is a, it is an aspect of the physical allergy that I have no, no medical explanation for, but I do know that once I start, I can't stop. And the mental obsession is that once I stop, I can't manage without a power break in myself that decision to stay stopped. And thankfully, I've been able to gain access to a power that has given me the opportunity to recover uh, from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body has already been shared. My, my, my hopeless state is only seeming I can and have recovered and um, a day at a time I hope that I will continue to be able to also share this message of hope with others because that's what keeps me well and um, and actually it's my relationship with God ultimately that keeps me well with my higher power and um, so I'm very very grateful to have heard this uh, section of the book today I really needed it and uh, thank you well, thanks so much Mary B Larry K you're up followed by Lynn F Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Appreciate everyone's shares. You know, in the margin alongside this paragraph, I, I, I've, I've written the following note. I don't know when I wrote it, but it was quite a long time ago. I wrote, suicide, uh, one of addiction's hidden risks. You know, there, there's, there's a, a definite uh, connection. There's a link between addiction and suicide, and, and, and we don't often talk about it. Um, we don't even like the word. We cringe at the word. But we don't have to look far for, uh, for examples of this. Um, I often think of Marty Mann. Um, Marty uh, was one of the, the, the first women uh, to achieve long-term sobriety in AA. And, um, and, and she was extraordinary. And in, in 1936, so prior to the big book being published, she, you know, she came home. She was a socialite. She was in Europe for five years. Um, she comes off the luxury liner, the Queen Mary at the time in New York City, and, you know, passengers are pouring off, thinned out. Um, Marty w wasn't walking off. She had to be carried off on a stretcher. You know, she was unconscious speaking of alcohol, uh, alcohol, 
and um, you know she just couldn't fathom. And you know, one of her good friends, you may have heard of her, uh, committed suicide in Europe. And the famous author Virginia Woolf, um, addiction, and you know this goes hand in hand. And so she, you know, the thing about Marty is she bounced from psychiatrist to psychiatrist when she got back to New York. You know, she had the means to do that, and um, but. Uh, eventually, she connected with uh, Harry Tebow. We know Harry Tebow, and she would see him an hour every day, and she continued to struggle. And it was only when this, uh, when he uh, gave her this book, you know, this book that came out, published in 1939, and she began to. She, matter of fact, she went out uh, in, in April of 1939. She rode, rode the uh, subway to Bill Wilson's home. And she hid upstairs until uh, Lois, uh, you know, coaxed her down to join the group. And, and she, she said she felt immediately um, unmistakable kind of uh, truth in all of this. She said, I could finish their sentences. So here's a woman that went from being suicidal to um, saying, you know, these are my people. And later on, and she did not die from suicide. You know, on page 25, the great fact is just this and nothing less that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. When we're exposed to these steps, I'm not saying it solves every problem, it doesn't. And mental illness can be a thing too, but I'll tell you something, the 12 steps absolutely lead us, put our hand in, in God's hands. And I've seen people that have been suicidal uh, and uh, today they're free. They're completely free. That's an extraordinary thing. So grateful for, for that and with that I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Lynn S., you're going to be up, followed by Leslie W. Let me just remind everybody where we are. Page XXX in the doctor's opinion. First paragraph, and for, it's really a full sentence. There are many situations ending in then continue to fight. So Lynn, go right ahead. Good morning, Lynn S., Recovered Compulsible Reader in Toronto, Canada. Seven months ago, I was in a six-day relapse, and I hadn't finished binging yet. It was tremendous. I loved every single bite, absolutely loved it, and I wasn't done. But I had a sponsee's wedding to go to in six weeks, and I knew I knew if I kept on this path, I wouldn't go to the wedding. And and this was like the social event of my life. So I had to be there. So my plan was to white knuckle it for six weeks. Anybody can do that. And obviously I couldn't binge at the wedding or eat at the wedding the way I would want to because it wasn't, you know, there's a lot of OAers there. But I I knew I would eat all the way home from the wedding and then resume my binge because I wasn't done yet and I had a lineup of the foods that I was going to binge on. But then I also remembered that 10 years ago I had been in an eight-year relapse and no matter what I tried, I could not get out of it. I just could not. And living in my head and and in that eight years I just want to say that I did have periods of abstinence I got three medallions two one year and one two year and I remember picking up the two-year coin with tears coming down my face 
thing. I don't understand how I get this because nothing is any different. And I was stark raving abstinent, but there was no recovery. And I remember thinking about that. And what was so awful, it wasn't living in the food, really, because I loved it. I mean, I really loved the binge, but I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. But it was living with my head. I could not stand my crazy head and my my skewed perceptions of the world and how everything was was worse than terrible. And the bedevilments reigned in my mind, in my soul. And I thought, I can't go back there. I can't go back there. So it was obvious to me that I would binge for a little bit. And then I would just kill myself because I could not go back to that place in my head that drives me insane. That was my plan. But you know what? God sent out his search and rescue mission for me. And despite my crazy head, my delusional thinking, the disease screaming in my head, God reached that part inside of me that he had planted before I was even born. And he saved me. And I am so grateful. So grateful. Why did this happen to me when so many other Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn S. Leslie W., you're up, and then we'll be taking some more names. Hey, thanks so much. This is Leslie W., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. Um, and I was I was reading this and listening to this this morning and thinking about the supreme sacrifices that, and obviously they're alluding to death here, but I think there's a lot of other supreme sacrifices that I have made um, because of the pain. You know, for me, like the phenomenon of craving um, is pain. And and suffering. <laughs> um, and pain and suffering will push me and propel me to do things that I would not typically do. And I find myself in situations like that right now. Not necessarily because of, not because of the food, but because of other other pain um, and suffering which has been inflicted. And, you know, whether it's inflicted, this phenomenon of craving is, which for me is just, is just inducing this, this extreme level of, 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 of torture and pain and suffering and whether or not I do it to myself or other people do it to me. um, My first inclination is, is, is to run run and escape where's the escape hatch i'm crawling around and i'm in the dark and i'm I'm looking for it i'm trying to find it where where how can i get out how can i get out of here you know because i don't want to feel the pain um and and i happen to be like many of us a person that can endure i think a lot of us can actually endure immense amounts of pain and suffering we're not weak people. Um, 
I'm stubborn as hell. I mean, I I'm I'm just a fire. I I have I have to be you know, beaten down and bloodied and even if, even when I am beaten down and bloodied, I'll I still get up. I'll still get up and be like, "Come on, let's go another round." And <laughs> me again. Um the thing is, I do reach a point though where I'm tired. And once I get to that point, I can either have to go through one of those two doors. You know? I I either have to make that supreme sacrifice or I, I accept spiritual help. Hi. You know, I'm either... And so that's where I am today. I'm accepting spiritual help. Thanks, and I pass. Well, thanks, Leslie W. from Tennessee. Um, okay, so let's get another list of names. And we just ask if you've shared in the past three days that you hold oh, back so others can share. J.L.H. from Seattle, Washington. And Carmela, I heard you. Gotcha. Carmela G. And then who was the next person? Was it Freya? Gail H. from Seattle, Washington. Ah, Gail. That's who I heard. Okay. Jackie W. from New Jersey. LaShawn C. Jackie W. LaShawn C. Uh-huh. <coughs> see your T. Correct me on the, on last names when we get there. Um, I think I can take one, maybe two more. All right, well, let's go right to it. Carmela followed by Gail H. Carmela G., you're up. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Thank you, moderator and all the shares. My name is Carmela G., and I am a gratefully recovered for today, compulsive overeater. And um, when I read this this morning, the first thought that came to me was, I didn't make the supreme sacrifice. I didn't have to because it was this program that allowed me to realize that my creator made the supreme sacrifice for me. And I needed to make an amends to my creator because I made food my master. So therefore, I had to apologize for putting food as my, as as a as a driving force to my life, and um, so I live daily in gratitude. And because if I thought I was making such a sacrifice, the personality disorder of Carmela is, oh, I would say, oh, you poor thing, you're sacrificing so much, but I'm not. This program has given me such joy that I can live and be uplifted because my creator made that sacrifice and I'm doing my program in gratitude for the life that I am given. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. 
Thanks, Carmela G. And Gail, Gail H., you're up, followed by Jackie W. Just a reminder to everybody, too, we're on page XXX, first paragraph. There are many situations. Reading just that one paragraph, it's actually one sentence. Gail, go right ahead. Good morning. I'm Gail H. from Seattle, Washington, and I so appreciate all the shares. And uh, what crosses my mind is that the sicker we get, the better options there are for remarkable recovery. And that just seems so as uh, being a part of this program for many decades. And I did meet Marty Mann, and I was at a meeting with her and a psychiatrist, and uh, Marty was helping um, the hospital I was working at to get a treatment center going and uh, helping people with the model at Hazelden. And then when, and that was in Chicago, and then I moved to Seattle, and my sponsor was sponsored by Marty Mann. And Marty did so much as a result of the big book, of this program, and of a very progressed out-of-control disease. Um, that she started programs to help people. And, you know, I think that there are so many stories that um, I I can't imagine how many lives get touched by just one life in recovery. Uh, I do appreciate that our disease touches many. Uh, But I do appreciate that this program of recovery touches so, so many lives. So I'm grateful. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Gail H. from Seattle, Washington. Jackie W., you're up, followed by LaShawn C. Good morning, family. Uh, Jackie W. in New Jersey. And I definitely had the desire as a young person to make the supreme sacrifice, and that led me to the program. Uh, Originally, I was in 30 years in a meeting with where I was dieting with group support, and it, and that that put a band-aid on the wound of compulsive eating for me, but it didn't bring recovery to my disease until I was beaten down enough, trying to do it that way, and willing to let go of my ego and my desire to control and fix things myself and to be open to this program. And since July my life really has changed significantly. I uh, am just wowed, honestly, that it happened, but it definitely has happened. And my reaction and response to the circumstances that would normally drive me crazy is completely different. And I'm so, so thankful and grateful and just so just humbled that I was, you know, presented this information and I was willing to receive it work hard, do whatever was given to me, not fight, because typically I would, you know, I like the cafeteria-style plan where I would pick and choose what I wanted to do. And I could definitely see if I didn't change myself through God's help that I would definitely be back in that situation of the ultimate sacrifice because I was literally insane doing the exact same thing hundreds of times and getting the exact same result and then just doubling down my efforts to do the exact same thing again. So I'm so grateful that God brought this program into my view, that I was open to receiving it. And there is so much hope and help and healing and recovery here.
here that I would just want to encourage anybody who's listening that is struggling that I spent decades wandering in the desert, but I'm finally home with my family here. So thanks for letting me share. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jackie W., for sharing. LaShawn C., you're up. And then after that, we will be taking another list of a couple of names. LaShawn C., press star one. Oh, sorry. It's LaShawn C. Thank you. Um, You know, those two words. Thank you. Um, those two words, my name is LaShawn, um, I'm a compulsive overeater, and one day I will be able to say um, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, those two words, supreme sacrifice, so powerful, and yet every day, every single day I strive to, to make the supreme sacrifice for myself and my program, and I'm clear that if I rely on myself to do that, it, it will never happen for me. And I think about it's like my disease is so loud, so, so loud, and it, and it just wants to take me out every day. That every day I pray, every day I listen to a meeting, every day I get on Recovery Jam and listen to the powerful people that lead the meetings there. Every day I call a fellow, and every day I'm honest with my sponsor for me. That's a supreme sacrifice, even when I'm tired, even when I try to do it with my two children and husband and, you know, new mother-in-law coming here and, you know, to support us, which I'm so grateful God sent. It's still another thing I feel that's on top of my plate. But with the help of God, this program, and all of the things that recovery comes with, you know, the, the supreme sacrifices, I can just be grateful for. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, LaShawn C. So we have time for three more. Who else would like to share? Press star one. Susan G. in Tennessee. Trisha D. in Georgia. Trisha D. Georgia. Okay, I got Trisha D. Georgia. Who was first there? I've heard a couple of people. Somebody in Tennessee. Susan G. in Tennessee. Okay, gotcha, Susan. So I got Susan, Trisha, who'd I miss? Nadia B. Nadia. Okay, let's go there. So we got Susan G, Trisha D, and Nadia. Susan, you're up. Thanks so much, Barbara. Appreciate your service and everybody share today. So good. So I'm Susan G in Tennessee, recovered compulsive overeater. And supreme sacrifice has been exchanged for supreme surrender of my self-will of any idea of how I can survive this illness. Uh, With compulsive overeating, I know the outcome. It's health declination and ultimately death. I was on a table in my doctor's office having a heart attack, and he said, Susan, if you want to die, just lay here, and I'll help you. But if you want to live, we need to get to the hospital. And I had to say, I'll meet you there, because I had to go through a drive-thru and compulsively overeat for five minutes to deal with having a heart attack the insanity of this disease, and the loss of relationships and responsibilities in those relationships. For me today, Supreme Surrender says, I stop, I drop, and I wait for power greater than me to tell me and take me where it will. I don't know the outcome with this type of surrender, and I'm so okay with that. 
I am happy and content in a state of surrender. This phenomena of spiritual solution is saving me one day at a time, one moment at a time. And I'm so grateful for this program, for my sponsor, and for all of you who teach me how to surrender today to this power greater than myself so that I can really learn how to be happy, joyous, and free. Thank you so much for your sacrifices, and I will continue to make mine today. Thank you. Thanks, Susan G. from Tennessee. Trisha D. from Georgia, you are up. Trisha D., star one. Thanks, Bob. Barbara, can you hear me now? I'm sorry. I can. No, I can hear okay. you now. Okay, I, I thought I had unmuted. All right, thank you. You know, this, is, this paragraph really... Um, brought many memories for me because as I'm loving all the shares that I'm hearing this morning. You know, this situation that arose as a phenomenon of craving, which caused me to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. You know, my, um, back in 2017, I was, I under, underwent a liver transplant. And I had stage four cirrhosis of the liver, and it was totally due because of my consumption of sugar and flour combinations, and I could not stop. And I had no idea I was destroying my body like I was. But that wasn't the worst. The worst part was after the transplant, I went back to eating the sugar, knowing that I would I could be dead dead within two months if I continued eating the sugar. So there, at that point, I was so desperate. It was during COVID. Um, at that point, I realized about a year after the surgery, I was like, I'm back in the sugar and I can't stop. And I will not, they will not give me a new liver. And that point where I had to make a choice. And that's that supreme sacrifice. I had to swallow my pride and make that, pick up that 300-pound telephone and make that call to someone I knew from a vision for you. And my life got back on track from that moment on. I heard my story. And I am so, so grateful to this day that it's been four years now that I've been very active in vision and so grateful to my sponsor who has helped me. And it's the miracle has happened. I had the neutrality from sugar now. Um, working the steps is huge and surrendering each day to that higher power who is the only power. So, Barbara, thank you for letting me share and thank you for your service. Good to hear you. Trisha D. from Georgia. Nadia, you are up. Thank you for the service moderator. Um, Just, you know, I've heard so many people who have been to hell and back. (laughs) And I uh, just, you know, was compelled to share because I think at some point, the pain is not pacified by anything. And, you know, I've um, heard of people and, and know people who are related to people who made the supreme sacrifices, and who am I to judge? This is simple but not easy, and price needs to be paid. But, um, you know, so for me, uh, you know, I still continue to fight because what I thought recovery was going to be you know, it is a walk in the park, and it's not for me today. But, um, you know, thankfully that, um, you know, for me, I have learned to um, 
deal with the pain in in the way that is um, doesn't call me to go to the fridge. And it's not always comfortable. And so for me, you know, knowing what craving is and um, not having to trigger it, you know, knowing that you guys are here, you know, if everything else fails, um, you know, my will is exercised today in seeking help from my higher power. And you guys are part of, of that rescue mission for me when I am in pain and I've learned to trust you as much as I trust my God. And, um, you know, so today I still continue to fight, uh, because life is, um, you know, not always easy. And, um, we all have uh, some kind of pain and I'm really grateful that I have found this fellowship and I'm grateful to people who have made supreme sacrifices so we can have um this you know so we can could learn something from this um I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone but I uh, just um was very grateful today and was compelled to share but that will pass well thanks Nadia would you share your last initial with us where are you from oh it's uh B as in boy and I'm in Connecticut Okay, great. Nadia B in Connecticut. So we have two more minutes or so if somebody would like to take a short share. Star one if you would. Miriam J. Oh, who was that first? Marine J was it? Miriam J. Miriam J. There you go. Okay. Yes, Miriam, go right ahead. Yeah, about uh, one minute. Sorry, one one minute, one and a half. Thank you. Miriam J. from Massachusetts. Grateful, compulsive overeater in recovery. Um, I guess what I want to say is that there's more than one way to die. And, you know, if we interpret the phrase uh, making the supreme sacrifice as death, you know, I, my spirit died. My body didn't die. And I wasn't afraid enough about my body dying. I was really, really miserable because my spirit had died. And, you know, and I'm so very grateful today that I have an opportunity to live a full life, uh, body, soul, and spirit. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Miriam J. Thank you to everyone who shared. What a rich meeting today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, if you want to listen to today again, January 22nd is 21058. 21058. We'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Tamara C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Hey, everyone. This is Tamara C., a compulsive overeater in Missouri. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.